welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Right, this is going to be fun. Up we go. Into time and space. Hi there. <laughs> the episode with you guys every week. <laughs> you come around our house. It's like this. What was it like though? 5,000 plus people, you got to watch it with them, experiencing all the emotions together, and a lot happened in that episode, and I almost want to, you know, digest the whole thing, but what was that like for you? Because this is, what, a year and a half plus in the making? I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> We're all feeling incredibly emotional. Um, it was just really s- special, and we've only shown it once before. You know, our families haven't seen it, and we've kept everything. I don't know whether you noticed, we've kept a lot of things secret, including <laughs> all those guests of us. Um, but nobody had seen that trailer before tonight. Um, um, it, it's a real privilege to bring it out into the open, and obviously that's what we've been aiming for all this way. But it's phenomenally emotional because I think we're really proud of it, if I'm being really honest. And I think. But also because I think you've got an amazing new doctor. Help. Maybe we should uh, give a shout out to all Tim Shaw's watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think the thing about sharing this finally is that it feels it feels unfair to be here without Mandit Potosin and Brad because and Sharon and, and Sam who is Johnny Dixon and all these incredible people that made up this episode, which the entire series is a love letter for every incredible inspiration and that gem of an idea that could be thrown into a season. But to start it with those guys and 
and all the incredible talent that the cast and crew, and I know it's not an acceptance age, <laughs> just that it's so hard to convey how, how proud you are or honoured to be something without sharing it with the most important people, which is the fans. And without it, there isn't it. And so that's why I will sit and cry. <laughs> a whole new team here, or fan, as we're calling them. Um, I, I wanted to, I'm going to talk about the casting process and what we're looking for and why there was an expansion, because this team is filling out. There's quite a few happening here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's funny, though. You, you the, the conversations you have about Doctor Who are not always the conversations you have about any drama, because if you sort of if we come to you with a new series and there were four regulars in it, you'd go, why so many people? Um, and it's like, I'm like, have you seen This Is Us? It has, you know. <laughs> um, uh, whereas, uh, you know, actually what you're doing and what we've tried to do a lot this year is you're tracing that kind of golden thread back to 1963, back to the work that people did. You know, we are standing on the shoulders of giants of television, of Verity Lambert, and Anthony Coburn and David Whittaker and Warren Sussain, all those people who created the show, um, you know, and, and what you're doing is you're going, what's the format of Doctor Who? If you had to say, there's the pilot episode, it's three people travelling in time and space with the Doctor. So really it's just connecting it back to that and going, what does that look like, what does that feel like in 2018? Jodie, what was it like meeting your new co- your co-stars, basically? You've got Bradley, Tozen, Nando, what are they like? So the first time I met uh, Tosin and Mandit was in their recall. Tosin had been away and was like, who's, who's this in my audition? <laughs> he didn't know I was. So he just thought we got some random lucky actor to be the person to read opposite him in the scenes. <laughs> just so that the casting director could, you know, concentrate and not have to do the offlines. And afterwards was like, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mandit walked in and told some of her many hundred hilarious stories, and I overlapped. And the second she walked out, I was like, oh, that is my new best friend. <laughs> that is my new best friend. And she is, she has just continued to be made up of funny bones. And Brad, or as Tosinko calls him, showbiz. He is. <laughs> He might not have context here, but in the UK, he is Mr. Showbiz. He is. He has his own show. He has his own albums. He has everything. And then we get to steal him for nine months and be have the pleasure of his company. And I think the thing that is really probably apparent: it's not fake chemistry. We all really get out and really love each other. And and it's a long nine months, and it's hard as it should be. And we hopefully are always there with each other, guiding each other through, or being a bit rude in the hilarity of it to each other. But it's brilliant. So Doctor Who is known for its social commentary and sort of like delivering amazing messages without smacking people over the head about it. And I think the word that keeps being brought up already this season is inclusivity. And it's, you know, being able to look at the screen and being like, oh my gosh, I can relate to so many people here. And there's representation for it. And that's just only for you. Is 
that a big thing going into it, and is that playing an important role for not only this premiere episode but every episode to come? Yes, it is, and embarrassingly, it's the two white guys who are going to answer the question about representation, which is awkward. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, uh, uh, that's the again what we were talking about. What does Doctor Who look like in 2018? What does it look for the next few years? Um, and, and that was it. So it was about that on the writing team, on the directing team, in the edit suites, across the production, um, and on screen as well. Yes. So there is a lot of um, a, a lot of diversity in our casting, and uh, the stories we will tell. <coughs> will go to places the show hasn't gone to before, in that sense, and will tell stories from perspectives perhaps the show hasn't um, visited before. And you probably saw glimpses of those in that trailer. I mean, I think, I think it's really important for us is with the, and going back to your earlier question about having a number of friends of the doctoral companions, as, they, as we used to call them, is that they are us. They are RPOV. The Doctor is, although the eponymous character, it's you see the Doctor and you see what the Doctor, the journey the Doctor takes you on through the friends of the Doctor. And so it was really, really important to us and to Chris that those friends represent everybody out there who's watching. And, um, and they are just incredible. And their joy of travelling with the Doctor, which as Jody said, is not fake in any way. I mean, you know, just getting them to calm down before we go for a take is hard enough. Um, <laughs> is absolutely wonderful. And as the series unfolds, um, you, I think you will love travelling with them. They are just amazing. Thank you. Let's talk about some of the big reveals that we got in this episode, though. This is the first time we're seeing the sonic screwdriver, but it's not. It's just more than seeing the end result. Which are out there? You can see them all here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we watched that from up in that balcony up there, and when you guys did that, it was. Extraordinary. <laughs> it just looked amazing. But we're seeing our doctor pretty much for the first time, like get her hands dirty and building the sonic screwdriver from scratch. So we're just seeing how brilliant she is this time. <laughs> my own Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and the other reveal we saw was the costume, and this is a big thing, and I want to hear the story again because it's so great about the influences and and um, depictions of seeing the costume and how it got from an idea to an actual outfit. And shout out to the fact that it's practical with pants and boots. From the very start of my audition, was that this is a collaborative and uh, a creative journey that you will have a say, and and you know, and and often there is there is no. It's not to say on other jobs you don't get a say. Of course you do, but you can't be like, oh, you know, I'm going to wear a wetsuit and it's uh, <laughs> in a desert. There would be no point. So you know, but with this comes that blank slate, and so Ray Holman, the costume designer, and I who enough to meet because of Chip's previous on Broadchurch. So we, yeah, so we we met like secret squirrels whispering and panicking and um but but the I'd sent throughout my audition process poor Chris who 
probably wishes most people didn't have his number when they're auditioning for a job. Because <laughs> I send you probably an image a day from something, somewhere, and, you know, the wonder of Google. <laughs> but I, uh, one of the images I sent, which I actually didn't mean to send as a, co- a, a costume reference, I was not getting beyond the audition sta- uh, stages, I was just, I loved the energy, it was a black and white image of a woman work- walking with purpose and deep in thought with crop trousers, boots, braces and a t-shirt, and because it's black and white, you, you can't tell where it's from, but it has the fun element of a t-shirt, it has the the timelessness of a, of a, of a, a, a pleat in a, tra- in a trouser leg, you know, it, it can, and, it, and if you look back at it and you, you held the image far away, it was genderless, <laughs> and obviously that person could move in it and it was comfortable, but the fact it was black and white as well didn't give it a mood, it was there to be created for us, so that was our starting off point, and then the, the coat I love the coat. I love the coat so much. <laughs> um, but the coat, particularly, I, I, the, the conversations of colours and the use of colour, because I'm, I'm quite a colourful character. I, I like colour, and I, I think I wanted to reflect, you know, the like moments of brightness that there would be. But in the coat, it's a kind of the interior lining is a dark blue, and I felt that that represented this the space I was falling through for this episode and then the exterior is like a dawn scan and it's it and you know and it has the important things it has a pocket without me ever spoiling this it has it has every single stitch has a meaning and every single cut and every single piece of lining and I won't tell you because I'll wait until it's over because the best thing for me is, is that you guys wear it and it, you own it and it's yours and those things mean something to you. And then one day I'll share. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll do show again. Uh, this is a New York Comic Con panel, which means you guys get to ask questions as well. Whoa! Okay, guys, we're all friends here, yeah? You will get your questions. Just one more question before we throw it to you guys. I want to talk about some of the stunts that we saw in this episode. Can we get the hashtag crane, crane jump trending at all? Because you were flying through the air on that one. What was that like? Well, on day two of the entire shoot, that was terrifying and exhilarating and everything it should be to work on Doctor Who. It was it was very high, <laughs> and you know I was given the option. Uh, there was there's the fantastic stunts department, and they did say if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But I was like, I really need to look brave in front of all these new people. <laughs> so and it was brilliant, <laughs> and I got to do it quite a few times. But it was you know, and I also think there are times throughout the season. That it, it, I, I am not trained, and, and it wouldn't have been safe for me to partake in some stuff. But it, but that was very safe, if not ter- you know, completely terrifying. But it was, it served it. It needed my clumsiness and only heroic physique <laughs> to clamber between those two cranes for it to have the authenticity that it should, which is a new doctor in a new body. With the old clothes on. With the old clothes on. It's very comfortable. 
So let's throw it over to the audience now. We're going to start. I mean, I saw you just charge. And you are team pockets here. So let's have a question over here. Hi, my name is Katie Viafu. I'm from um, Suffern, New York. Um, I'm actually dressed as Jody from Out of Lifestyles. You look amazing. So, yeah, that kind of goes with my um, question because I've been a fan of yours for a very long time since St. Trinian's. Is like the most amazing person ever, um, and and um, I've seen a lot of your work, and a lot of the stuff I love and admire is how um, how not only flawed but very human, and but also like encouraging female strong strong female characters you play, and um, I was wondering if um, you have any advice for the girls and the women who are watching. Especially now, like you know, with given things lately around everywhere. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, okay, let's see. But like, do you have any words of encouragement? Can we hear from the doctor? I think I think we we have a voice, and we are entitled to be listened to, and we, we are sometimes, and we sometimes have to unite to have the bravery to use it, but. But let's use it. Also, we are flawed saws. <laughs> but we are, and that's a wonderful thing to embrace. Perfection is not the aim. It is not the aim. It is, it, 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 it's too ironed. It's too ironed out. Like the, the beauty in all the characters you love and cosplay as, and, or, you know, meet in life, the characters on the street. People are fascinating because of how different we are and how how much we shouldn't all be a clone. And we are individuals, but on that, what is wonderful is a is a united um, hood. And I can, for myself, say the united sisterhood, but also the united hoofhood <laughs> and the united humanhood that we can embrace and are embracing. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you. Uh, hello, my name is Edwin. I'm from Connecticut. And um, I don't really have a question. I just have a huge thank you. I've been a fan of the show all of my life. And Jody, you are an awesome doctor. That was an amazing episode. It, it was a breath of fresh air. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Chips. I may call you Chips, man. You And I just wanted to say that uh, I loved the Please Tell the Composer. I loved the rendition of the theme tune that we had. Thank you guys so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, pretty much, I'm, oh, I'm Jonah from Suffering New York. Pretty much everything that he just said, episode, amazing. Um, I was just wondering, because this new doctor, it's such an interesting character to watch whenever you get a new doctor. So what personally is your favorite character trait of their team? <coughs> My favorite. Uh, I adore being able to play the, to kind of distill it, how do you distill it? A, a, an electricity and a fizzing energy. I never have. I've never been restrained by the look. Just so you know, it's a two shot or a single. You need to inhabit it internally, 
this character is so much and so I'm so in love with it that it can't be internalized. It has to kind of flow out, and I've been given that space to to use it as a, a way of thought patterns, but also as a physical inhabitation of the role. If that makes sense. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. As an Australian, my favourite part is not once but twice when you went, "Oi!" <laughs> <laughs> You were brilliant. But um, second of all, I know you have to make the character your own, but maybe second season, I'm wondering if anyone's thinking about bringing back your wife. Chips is not the answer. <laughs> if he did, he wouldn't sell you. <laughs> okay, over here. As if River wouldn't. Hi. <laughs> I'm Taylor from Chicago. Hi, guys. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for that episode. And Joni, you're super gorgeous and beautiful in the episode. And I love your boots. Okay. <laughs> um, my question is, there's a lot of uh, people who ask you... Sorry, I don't know if I'm zooming. Close enough. A lot of people ask you about your opinion on how the female doctor is going to affect girls now, but I would like to know what your influences are. Like, if you, yes, uh, you like anybody growing up yeah. books or, yeah, but this is, this is representative of the time I grew up. You know, I was born mm -hmm. in 82. So sadly, for myself, in the sense of I didn't feel sad at the time because it was all I knew, they were all boys. <laughs> yeah, and so when I was growing up, uh, I mean, you know, Jennifer Connelly and Labyrinth, so I had one. <laughs> a beautifully flawed character, wonderfully flawed, you know, who has to question themselves throughout. Um, uh, uh, Mikey in The Goonies. Betray you. What? We'll just chuck them on. Um, I wanted to be in the flight of the navigator. I wanted, I, I wanted to be Elliot. I actually wanted to be Gertie because she was ace. <laughs> He's going to the spaceship. <laughs> I think, I think for me, what I fell for was actually not the the heroics in grown ups. It was the heroics in the kids. And, and that tapped in for me, and that's the kind of energy that I've continued through life and I really wanted to bring to the Doctor because I think sometimes it's a mythology that children are naive and they're not always, the, they're very often the most intuitive and smartest person in the room and I wanted to tap into that and, 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 they, and, and often aren't jaded, aren't cynical, are just open-hearted and, and enjoy learning and I think in, in those films when I was growing up, the possibility was was open and there, and that's why it inspired me. Thank you. That's there right. is. <laughs> oh, yes. My name is Charles. I'm from Queens. Hi. Uh, in my class, I'm uh, the only guy who's uh, majoring in women's studies. Oh. And, uh, uh, what happened was that uh, I'm actually doing a thesis, and it's interesting because. Everybody who I write about, whether it's Susan DeAnthony or Rosa Parks, 
they relatively passed away, but to actually talk to a living icon, the first doctor, considering that Doctor Who started in the 1960s, and now today we've made so much progress. My question is, what type of lasting impact do you hope this will leave on all of us for uh, future, not just science fiction shows, but just for all of us in general culture and everything like that? I think, I'll pass this on obviously to you, but I think the thing, I want, I want it to be such a, a, a second of, of history that it becomes forgotten because it becomes the norm. I don't know if you want to ask me some questions, you know, I'm 90 years old and still clinging on to my glory. <laughs> but but as, a, as a human and as a citizen, it, 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 I don't want this to be a moment. I'll pass that on to you. You, you, you had the idea, you were the one who, who it wasn't a decision for you, you said that the doctor, the, your doctor was going to, to play by an actress. Um, I, I suppose what I would crave is unity, is that actually everybody in the world talks about division at the moment, and that's really hard, that's really hard to live in, um, and I think the Doctor is a great symbol of unity, and when the Doctor's going to be male or female, and uh, and also gender non-binary as well, and they are all kinds of, I think the most important thing is for my kids growing up, that they know they can look up to men and women and that heroes come in all shapes and sizes and genders and sexualities and ethnicities. And that's basic. Well, that's rule number one for the world. And I hope this season of Doctor Who shows you that. And I hope you enjoy episode three if you've been studying Rosa Parks. Thank you, Pretty much. <laughs> Came out on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. You just saw her in the trailer. You saw her in that Robinson. We've got a question over here. Hello. Hi. Yeah. Hi. I'm Jordan. I'm from here. And congratulations to you all on this groundbreaking moment. Uh, we're going to forget right away. <laughs> um, my question is for Chris. Um, you've written some of my favorite episodes uh, for many years. Uh, Pandora opens, A Good Man Goes to War. That's so <laughs> Stephen, Stephen did all those. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, they are amazing. They're my favorite too, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's about writing a show. Um, for example, when you look at the story of River Song, it's it's so with the time travel and the crisscrossing, and it goes back all the way to David Tennant. Um, how much of that do you know when you're plotting the story? Do you, do you work it out as it goes, or did you figure it all out in the beginning and you had all those little Easter eggs laid in the whole time? Well, um, do you know, I've asked the same question of Stephen Moffat, who did all that, and he won't tell me. <laughs> I think he knew it all along, maybe would be my guess, but I, I honestly don't know. I think it's an incredible work of brilliance, that the River Song timeline and, and the, you know, the various seasons that Stephen did. So um, I think 
you know, Stephen Moffat's brain is a, a thing of extraordinary brilliance that will end up being in the British Museum and people will go and visit it. I'll skip about timelines. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. For, for, for us, for this season, you work it out, you work it out in advance. There's a great quote from David Lynch, which is you, you plan, um, plan rigorously and allow for happy accidents. And that feels like the process we've probably been through. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I think, obviously, from, for your point of view, in the sense that, the, you know, the doctor throughout has, you know, traits and quirks and wonderful characterisation that is, is there, but also allows a freedom for an actor to step in and have an interpretation. I, I am nicking the quote of the happy accidents, because for me, as... A new Hoovian who wants to say thank you to the Hoovian family for letting me in and embracing me. I, I came at this with fresh eyes and I, I wanted to trust what I've always kind of gone with in the past like 12, 13 years of career is, is, is I'm listening and I'm using my instinct in that moment of being responsive to what's presented to me. And I, I didn't want to feel as if I was nicking someone else's mannerisms and not doing it very well <laughs> like I was doing what I felt in that moment with with this wonderful new team but I think there are inevitable overlaps and traits that are for every doctor and everyone and then these moments that may be particular to a couple of doctors but I think I can't take any credit for that <laughs> uh, a, a Friday exam which is going to be a thing I hope so you've <laughs> never had one oh. Somebody showed me something earlier to do with you that you've managed to replicate not just one of my costumes, but two. Oh and I did see that. And you looked ace. No, no worries, but you're incredibly talented. So so anyone out there should know. Just, just check that out. It was amazing. But also, I think the thing for me and and you wearing it is, is to feel at once at home and also free for the possibility of anything everything there's no you're not being held back you're not you're not being dictated to by the constraints of something and it's a really difficult thing to achieve and I didn't achieve it, it was Ray and you know the incredible tailors and people involved in it but but all I know is I really hate that I'm not wearing it at the moment <laughs> I absolutely love putting my costume on and it takes me about two seconds <laughs> Yes, I do need that thing 
me singing and go and throw my arms out every time I come off a trailer. <laughs> so why not? I look brilliant. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike. I have a question. I just had a quick little story. Uh, a few days ago, my daughter, my youngest daughter, said to me, I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. My youngest daughter said to me, Daddy, why do girls always have pink and boys always have blue? And as a dad, I, I don't know. And I, but I, I wanted to give her an answer because I tried it. I try to give you things. So I said to her, people made rules, but those rules, we don't have to live by those. You have to be who you are and make decisions on your own. If you like blue, you can like blue. If you like pink, you can like pink. And then I brought I tried to connect it to something she understands and said, um, well, like a doctor. The doctor, everyone always thought, the doctor's a man, it has to be a man. And some people get angry, but now it's a, it's a girl, a boy, girl, and he's a boy, girl. Um, and she's like, oh, yeah, and I like, you know, so you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want, and you can make your choices. Nothing, you don't have to follow what was told or what they sell you in the store. You get to grow up to be whatever you want and, and choose your own path. And she said to me, cool, because I like blue. <laughs> <laughs> representing diversity, but you unlock the door, put the keys up front, and come on in, and that's awesome. So thank you to all of you. Thank you. Also, you can tell the door to there's a girl here who's going to have a blue box at some point. <laughs> My name's Matthew. I'm from Jersey. Woo! I just want to say it was a pleasure meeting you guys on Friday at the Build Series. Uh, brilliant episode. I love Broadchurch, so I love what you're doing right now. Uh, like you said before, Doctor Who's for everybody. It doesn't matter uh, the color of your skin, sexuality, gender, and uh, it's for everybody everywhere around the world, and that's what makes it so special. So my question is for the audience. I'm turning this around. <laughs> Does everybody remember the Doctor's Wife episode when the TARDIS spoke to the Doctor? So I was wondering if we could say a line to welcome you three, but also to welcome all the new Whovians out there, because I love you guys. We're one big family. Uh, this is special for you guys. It's special for that kid I saw in the Fez who was like five years old, the girls who are 13, the guys who are 13 now. So if you guys remember that line, it was, hello, doctor. It's so very, very nice to meet you. I was hoping we could say that together to welcome Jody into this wonderful Whovian universe. And raise your sonic high. So if you're all ready, on the count of three. One, two, three. Hello, doctor. It's so very, very nice to meet you. And I'm from Orlando, Florida, and I absolutely adore you. I have been a Whovian for 37 years of my life, watching since the third doctor, and never once, never once did it occur to me that the doctor was anything but a doctor. 
nothing but just a being, a pure love. So I wanted to ask a question, Mr. Chibnall and Jody. Um, this was a mind-blowing premiere, and I strongly believe that embracing your inner geek is pivotal to positive self-identity and acceptance. And I applaud you and how well you have set the pace with this episode. What aspects of the doctor, as geeks yourself, do you most closely identify with, and how do you translate that geek love of Doctor Who and any fandom into the writing and into your acting translation? I suppose for me, it's the love of it. It's the, the love and passion for that I feel for Doctor Who and for drama and television performers. Um, you want to communicate it around the world, really. You want to share it with people. And the, the aspect of the Doctor that, that speaks to me and the aspect of Jodie's Doctor and the Doctor she brought into her audition was the positivity to go forward into life and to meet whatever challenges are coming. And... Um, that that's really it for me. The passion and the love and that. Here we go. I don't know where we're going, but we're gonna find out along the way. And in the acting, I think I think to the thing that the doctor has taught me is that uh, is that her love and hope transcends time and space. And that's that's a big lesson to learn and it's a challenge sometimes. But I think that's the thing that is a wonder to play and the thing that I hope as I grow up and the older I get that I don't lose that in life, that 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 light at the end. So. And that's actually the reason I'm in our medical provider today, because of the doctor. Oh. And what you just oh. said. Thank you so much. Hello, my name is Camille and I'm from Virginia. So first, thank you. Um, what I'd like to know is, in your process of changing of the guard, especially uh, with a new doctor and with a new showrunner, I, I know that there are a lot of people in the fandom who were reductive and arrogant and misogynistic, and there are some difficulties with that change. How did you not let that kind of backlash get you down to find the positivity to just do this amazing process and, and get to where we are today? I think sometimes the... The angry voices can often seem the loudest, but they're not the most representative. And I think sometimes we do think it's a bigger noise than it is, because it's the thing that gets cast more comfortably than a, than a compliment often. But the reason why I don't let it get me down is because it's daft. And I was working with people who, would, who, who brought joy and fun and made the place of work I was in safe and inclusive and free for everyone to be the best they could be. And so that outside noise, it doesn't penetrate that space. And also, just to make it clear that there are so many beautiful, wonderful people out there and hopeful people out there like yourselves, is that the day after Jodie pulled back the hood and was announced in that wonderful reveal video after Roger, Roger Federer and Juan Wimbledon, um, <laughs> I was called into a, a meeting at the BBC um, where they have number crunches and people working through the night and stats. And the worldwide global response on social media to Jodie being announced was 83% positive. but they were not the most representative and everybody I think took it to their hearts the minute the hood came down. 
also there's this, I mean, we all saw it, that amazing moment when the doctor's talking to Tim Shaw, saying we all have the ability to make and to have and to be the incredible change. It's just a choice that we have to make. We can honour what we were, but we have the power to be who we want to become. How good is that? <laughs> Sorry, that was sort of sunk in with me. I was like, right on. Love it. We've got time for one last question, and it's you. This is it. Sorry, guys. Sorry, doctor. Okay. Hi, I'm Lauren uh, from Jersey by way of the Bronx. <laughs> so, first off, I want to say, uh, Jody. We have waited a very long time for you. We are so glad you are here. So, um, now my question is, I'm sorry. Um, um, I myself am somebody with a disability, and I was prepared to see myself represented as a woman on a woman doctor. Um, now, my question is about dyspraxia. I never expected to see my disability represented as well. Um, so, so, um, with that, and I appreciate that you didn't have Ryan succeed with the bike because that's a process and it doesn't happen that easily. Uh, my question is, when you created that role, did you seek out an individual with a disability, or was that something that became a part of the actor, and will that continue to be showcased throughout the rest of the series? Um, uh, so number one, uh, thank you for sharing that, I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, um, it's, 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 and um, uh, as emotional as you feel, that makes me, and I'm sure us, feel emotional as well. Uh, my nephew uh, has dyspraxia, I have friends with uh, kids with dyspraxia. Um, we did a, a screening at Sheffield recently to launch the show. A couple of journalists there came up to me and said, oh, um, I have dyspraxia. We worked with the Dyspraxia Foundation in the UK um, uh, and, and talked to them. Um, and also, um, but to your point about, but yeah, that's not, that's not an episodic story and that finishes at the, the end of that episode for Ryan. It will carry on. It's a, it's a part of him, but it's also, and I, um, and, and I want to phrase this right, it's, there are lots of defining parts to Ryan. And, where, and, and that is one of them. And, and uh, you know, um, I, I don't have the condition, so I can't speak to it as well as you can. But um, when we talk about heroes come in all shapes and sizes, that's what we mean. You know, it's people like <laughs> That's all we have time for with the Q&A, but that was okay. We actually have an exclusive that we're about to show you. This is, this is just a, this is a Comic-Con, a New York Comic-Con thing. So, um... No, you have to be on I'm going to show you a picture real quickly, but I just want to talk about the fact that uh, for this Comic-Con, Mattel has actually been making... Um, a collectible range uh, of Barbie dolls, and already Batman, Hunger Games, and Lord of the Rings have all been announced so far. But right now, I'm so proud and honoured to announce that Doctor Who is now going to be a Barbie collectible. <laughs> Thank you.
from hotstopic.com if you want to get that one. It is a Comic-Con collectible. They've, they've nailed the outfit. That looks really, really cool. So that is your Comic-Con exclusive and first look at the Dr. Do Barbie. Um, just before we wrap things up, though, it's time for a photo. Check out this beautiful crowd. I want everyone up. We're going to show you off. And guys, we're going to stand up and we're going to get a photo. You're facing this way with the audience behind you. Get those sonic screwdrivers up. Thanks, <laughs> This is BBC Television.